Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. We are going to be talking about a technology that can help us do one of the most important and substantial things that it's possible to do to combat climate change. According to Project Drawdown, the number three most effective way to fight climate change is to keep food out of landfills. Because when food goes to landfills, it creates methane. And methane is a far more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. And so if we can keep food out of landfills, not only are we going to be combating climate change, if we recover that edible food, we could be combating hunger as well. And our guest today has created a technological solution to help us eliminate food waste. Our guest is Monique Suri, and he is the founder and CEO of a company called Therma. And I'm really excited to have him talk to us about what his company does and how it can help us solve this this problem. But uh, first of all, I want to welcome you to Go Green Radio. Monique, how are you? It's so great to have you on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Jill. Thank you for that warm welcome. It's really wonderful to be part of conversations about building the future and doing it in ways that can help human health and planet health. So Absolutely. thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. You know, every founder has a story. And before we dive into the particulars of your technology, your products, I want to hear the why behind Therma. I want to hear why you founded this company, the problem you're trying to solve. Talk to us about your your origin story with this company. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh... You know, it's a story that I guess, you know, it's not uh, a linear path. I think few lives unfold as we expect them to. Mm-hmm. It's always a bit of a twisting, turning journey. But I uh, started out working in technology about a decade ago. Uh, prior to that, I had, uh, I had studied uh, political science and law, I had gone to college and law school, uh, thinking I was going to go and work in government uh, or public policy. Uh, went to Harvard for, for school college and law school. In between, I did a short stint in finance as an investor. Um, I went to work as a junior guy, uh, you know, an intern and then a fellow uh, in the White House on the Obama economic policy team back in 2011. And I met a woman there. She was the deputy CTO, uh, Beth Novak. She had also gone to law school. Uh, she jokes she's a recovering lawyer. <laughs> the best guy. And uh, <laughs> so she had written a book, and I, I went to hear her talk about this book. The book was called WikiGov. The idea was that technology was transforming so much of life, how we dine, how we date, how we engage in everyday activity, but big public problems weren't being addressed, weren't being attacked by some of the biggest technology solutions out there. And uh, government and public sector workflows and uh, issues related to compliance, regulation, safety, sustainability weren't being uh, tackled. Uh, but pizza delivery was getting faster <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and photo sharing was getting smoother. So I listened to her talk and, and uh, was really inspired. And she was leaving government to start a center focused on building tech for good. And so I decided to join her. And we started a center called the GovLab together at NYU, where she teaches in, in New York. Uh, and we ended up uh, coming together to try and build tech 
to solve and work on big problems that we thought were being underserved by Silicon Valley and some of the big tech companies. That's how I got into tech. That was in 2011, 2012. Uh, a few years later, I started a company, the precursor to Therma, uh, called Co-Inspect, trying to improve safety and sustainability in the food supply. And that was really uh, a twofold uh, reason. One, uh, the timing was such that Chipotle was having a bunch of issues with safety and quality. They were dealing with a lot of crises around the brand. This is back in 2015. 16, mm-hmm. some of the listeners might remember Chipotle was in the news a lot. Mm-hmm. And secondly, uh, I had a little experience with ag and food. I had grown up in a, in a, in a farm town, in an ag town called Fresno in the Central Valley of California. Yes. So I had, you know, fields behind my house, knew a lot of growers. And uh, so we knew kind of what was going on, you know, farm to fork in terms of how little technology was being used. A lot of pen and paper, a lot of clipboards. And so that's how I got into working on, you know, the, the food supply chain and, and trying to improve uh, workflow. Therma well, came up as an idea. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, I was going to say your timing couldn't be better because as, as Fresno and so much of the rest of the country where a lot of our food is grown is in the middle of drought, um, supply chain yeah. issues around our food is going to be ever more important. But please go right ahead. No, absolutely. I think it's very much uh, it's very much on the mind. You know, uh, these days there's a there's a massive uh, drought, and 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 you know, with the weather becoming more and more extreme, I think uh, these issues aren't getting easier. The uh, the the idea around Therma came up as we were scaling Coinspect. We were uh, deploying our mobile app to replace pen and paper clipboards, and we had gotten to about five thousand locations using this mobile app. We went out in the field to watch users using this this app and realized as we were doing the workflow and, and trying to figure out ways to improve on the, the, the application that most of what users were checking had to do with temperature mm-hmm. and ensuring that the product was kept in the right temperature zones. And this was in the summer of 2019, three years into scaling Co-Inspect. Uh, I looked at one of my colleagues, our, our CTO, our chief technology officer, Andrew Hager, and uh, we kind of looked at each other and said, I don't think we're solving this the right way. We're, replace- we're replacing a paper clipboard with a mobile app, a digital clipboard, but we're still getting people, you know, we're making people check this stuff four to eight times a day. And they've got a lot of other things to do. They don't necessarily have the time or the desire to be checking temperatures. What if we could automate this? What if we could make it possible to not have to do this manually using sensors? And so we started working on a second product using IoT, Internet of Things sensors, to automate how temperature was checked and, and, and monitored. And that concept became Therma. Therma is short for Temperature, Humidity, Energy, Remote Monitoring Application. Team of nerds. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's, how, that's how Therma was born. That was in late 19. That is that is incredible. And and one of the things I love so much about that story, because I in my nonprofit work, I work with a lot of students and a lot of them are very interested in computer science and they want to solve real world problems like this and they want to create a more sustainable world. And what you just mentioned in terms of being boots on the ground, watching your users you know, use the first iteration of your technology and then realizing you needed to adjust based on what your users needed is is kind of a, an epiphany and, and something that we talk to the students about a lot is spend time with the people who are dealing with the problem you're trying to solve. So I love that. Well, let's talk about thermosensors. Um, what data do they collect? You talked a little bit about what the what Therma stands for, but talk to us a little bit more about what what data you're collecting and, and how do your sensors differ from traditional ways of gauging equipment equipment temperatures? 
Yeah, a- absolutely. And I just want to say, Joe, I couldn't agree more that the uh, the insights and the epiphanies come from the user, from the the, mm-hmm. the person or the, the the folks that are actually engaging with the tech, and um, and and something that I've kind of learned uh, over the years painfully. You know, mm-hmm. having tried to build things that we thought people wanted or ought to want, and then discovering that that didn't always jive with the real world and how their work mm-hmm. and how their day went. So I couldn't agree more with that, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of why we're so excited about Therma and, and, and Therma's traction. Um, the temperature sensors themselves collect temperature and humidity data, so we have um, the ability to collect temperature and humidity on a continuous basis. One of the novel things about our technology is it uses radio as opposed to Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to get signal out. And that's important because refrigeration is typically a very hard environment to get signal out of. The side of a fridge or a freezer uh, has iron, steel, or aluminum in the sides, and that acts like a Faraday cage that blocks most electromagnetic radiation from getting out. So the first generation of sensors that have been around for 15 years use Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Unfortunately, those sensors don't work very well inside refrigeration environments, so they can't push a signal through the side reliably. And that's why most companies, we discovered, didn't have wireless sensors. When we were scaling CoInspect, we got into over 5,000 locations, and we asked a lot of our customers, why aren't you guys using automation? Why aren't you using sensors? They've been around for you know 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. And what everyone told us was, they don't work. They can't get a signal out. We don't trust them. LoRa, long-range radio, is a new way of connecting sensors and, and hubs. And we were able to build our technology around long-range radio, which can push signal through dense insulation. So that's one of the differentiators. The tech itself uses a new type of connectivity that's much more reliable. And I think that was the first thing that we, we innovated on in 2019. On top of that, we made sure that the sensors were drop-in-place. So these are uh, self-install or do-it-yourself uh, you know, sensors. They're the size of half of a deck of cards, a couple of inches by a couple of inches. You mm-hmm. drop them into your refrigeration assets. Uh, you hold up our mobile app. You label them and put the thresholds you want, and you're done. So it's a 20-minute wow. install, and it can be done by a, you know, a, a team member in the back of house, you know, an hourly worker or, uh, or even a temp. It's not something a technician uh, or, or a trained uh, you know, repair person needs to install. And then what lastly, about somebody we who's like Gen X or oh, yeah, older? Please. Yeah, is this is this easy? But but qualified by like somebody who's a millennial or younger, or is this truly like something that you know somebody who's owned their their grocery store for forty years, it's family business, they can do it too. We we like to we like to say you know it, it's something that you know grandma should be able to install but my grandmother yes. is better with a mobile phone than i am sometimes <laughs> so, you know <laughs> it depends on your level of proficiency for sure it's very yeah. simple in the sense that the sensors don't require any configuration you literally take them out of a box we ship them out by fedex or ups you they arrive at your location you open up the box you drop them into your refrigeration assets and you you have to download our mobile app Mm-hmm. You know, create an account. You can do that with a social or your own email uh, and and uh, password. And then you label them. You hold them up. There's a QR code and you label them. So, you know, you have that to know easy. how to use a mobile app and you have to be comfortable. But it's it's pretty simple. It's yeah, simple. that is simple. And, that, that, yeah. I mean, that's really accessible. And then when your customers label these and they, you know, they've got the mobile app and they want to access the data, help us understand what they're seeing when they look at their dashboard. 
Yeah, absolutely. So typically, we have most of our customers on our mobile app. Uh, the vast majority of our customers aren't uh, looking for reporting or more advanced analytics. They're just trying to ensure peace of mind. They're trying to monitor and ensure that nothing goes out of whack. And so they're typically looking at a mobile app, which comes with a set of alerts. And so we've got a uh, a system in the back end, a data science uh, uh, learning algorithm that makes recommendations around what the set point should be and what your alerts should be. We took uh, some learnings from healthcare and other industries where there was a lot of alarm fatigue and where there were too many alerts or alarms coming, people kind of get immune to them or just stop, you know, start ignoring them. So we've designed the system to, to generate alerts based on what we think are the, the most important things for you to flag. So typically people only get notified if there's a problem, if there's an excursion, as it's called, and temperatures go out of, out of line. And that usually mm-hmm. is an issue on nights and weekends you know, times of the week right. when locations are lightly staffed or right. no one's there. So it's, it's designed to be an insurance or an alarm uh, at, at kind of the, the base level. And that's what most of our users uh, interact that with. That makes perfect sense. Um, this is so exciting. And we're going to, we've got so much more to talk about. We've got to take a quick, quick commercial break. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to go green radio with your host jill buck jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 write to us too. save some trees and send us an email to go green radio at gmail.com that's go green radio at gmail.com now back to go green radio with your host jill buck 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of a company called Therma. You can find them online at www.hellotherma.com. And his name is Manic Suri. Bless his heart. It's too bad he couldn't get a good education. Manic holds uh, a degree in government, summa cum laude from Harvard, uh, a master's in philosophy and international relations, highest honors from Cambridge. And uh, he also studied and got a law degree from Harvard Law School, where he earned numerous Dean Scholars recommendations and, oh, by the way, also used to work in the Obama White House. So he's sort of well qualified to talk to us today about um, what he's up to. So, Medic, I know that right before we took a commercial break, uh, you were talking about some of the data that your users can get on their mobile app, uh, alerts and whatnot. But I know that there's an even more sophisticated dashboard and a way of gleaning information from the technology. So I want to give you a chance to talk about that. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be on. I'm, I'm blushing here. <laughs> hard, to, hard to show that over the, the, the radio, but I appreciate it. I think only my mom knows those things about me at this point. But, uh, it's, it's great to be on. We're trying to build technology that makes the world safer and more sustainable, but also doing it in a way that's easy for people to deploy. Uh, and that was one of the things we were you know, really keen to do with Therma. So our mobile app is designed for users to have peace of mind, not have to think much, and, and really only get notifications and alerts if there's a problem. If refrigeration is going down or if temperatures are rising or there might be a spoilage or excursion, that's really a, a, an alarm or, or, or a way of alerting them. The web application is designed to give you more sophisticated reporting so you can track locations across the portfolio. Let's say you have 50 or 100 or a couple of hundred stores that you manage or own. Uh, and we have customers with, you know, dozens to hundreds of locations. Uh, here you can see in the web application reporting across both locations, across equipment type. You can start looking at compliance data. So, for example, if the, the health department or the auditors are coming and want to check and make sure that everything's being done according to code, um, you can pull up and show reporting historically. Um, that's important for, you know, many, many businesses, uh, you know, that are trying to move into the 21st century with record keeping and with compliance. And so one of the things we focused on is making reporting simple and easy to pull up. And I think I'm most excited about our uh, predictive analytics. So this is something we're building out where you can actually start getting alerts and getting reports about pieces of equipment or locations that are going to have a problem before they do. And that's something we're able to do as we scale the product. Uh, two and a half years ago, we had 100 sensors in the world. Today, we've got over 10,000. Uh, and so as we're, as we're growing, we're seeing opportunities to do more with that data. And when we can tag and look at patterns, we can start telling folks, hey, you've got a location. It's got a problem. This piece of refrigeration isn't working correctly. We can see it in the pattern. It's not mm-hmm. holding temp or it's using too much power. Um, you need to replace it or repair it because you're probably going to have an outage. You know, for example, it's Friday morning at 9 uh, in, in, in California. You don't want that to happen tomorrow in the afternoon yes. when everyone's out on a Saturday afternoon and, and the store is, uh, is, is either full and you have a service disruption or, God forbid, at night when no one's there and you lose 20,000 of inventory. So Oof. those are some of the things that we offer on the web application. And there's an entirely new product we've been building, which I'm happy to tell you about, on top of our sensors. Um, yeah. That's a way of turning refrigeration into a battery. But we'll, we'll, we'll kind of pause there. 
Well, you know what? Don't pause because I'm fascinated. Um, go ahead. Talk to us about that because, um, you know, that sounds really, really innovative at, at the least. <laughs> talk to us about it. Well, you know, obviously I'm excited about refrigeration. You know, I, I, I joke <laughs> that my, my job is to make, make cooling cool, which is not easy. Refrigeration is <laughs> most people want to think about. <laughs> but uh, we, we realized, you know, we started scaling Therma. And we got really nice uh, adoption. We had customers operating brands from McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Domino's, White Castle, uh, Wyndham, Hilton, Marriott signing up. This is in the middle of the pandemic. We grew 3X mm-hmm. in 20 and 21. Not easy years to grow and sell uh, <laughs> yeah. to these industries. They were really struggling, you know, very, very hard years. But I think the product created, you know, return on investment. It created measurable ROI because we were helping reduce spoilage and food waste. And people can measure the cost of that. And so that was really exciting and continues to be one of the reasons we've been growing, you know, um, rapidly even this year. This year we started signing up schools, uh, K-12. through mm-hmm. We've signed up, I think, 650 schools across the country. On, and growing, you know, so we're really excited. I love working with schools, love working with small businesses. These are folks that really, you know, are trying to do good work and, 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 and provide for their communities and their families. What we discovered was that by monitoring refrigeration, we could actually start turning it up and down. And by turning it up and down, we could take advantage of the fact that you can turn refrigeration warmer or turn it off for a short period of time. You know, we're talking 15 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. If you time those turnoff events to when the energy grids, the electricity uh, markets, need the extra power, you can actually create a lot of savings, both for the customer by lowering their energy bill and mm-hmm. for the local utility in the form of giving the grid extra power when they need it. That's really important because grids are struggling. Most yeah. grids can't keep up. And so that's going to help with wildfire prevention, brownout and blackout prevention, and, and avoiding using peaker plants. Peaker plants are super dirty. They're the yeah, backup they plants that get, have to get turned on. So we call this refrigeration as a battery. By monitoring refrigeration and turning it off for short bursts of time, we could actually tap it like a battery. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the second layer of the product we've been building this year. That's super exciting. And Monik, you're speaking our geeky language here on Go Green Radio because we talk about this <laughs> kinds of time of use and peaker plans. And yeah, so, so, you know, our audience definitely gets that. I think that's fascinating. I know that you're based in San Francisco and P.S. I'm right across the bay. So um, <laughs> maybe awesome. one of these days we'll meet in, in real life. But I imagine that you're familiar with, or if you're not, I'm going to make you familiar with it because I am living and breathing this law every day. SP 1383, uh, which among, amongst other things is going to require commercial kitchens and grocery stores to donate edible food to nonprofit recipients starting in January of 2024. How do you see Therma helping these kitchens and grocery stores safely comply with that law? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm familiar with it. Certainly not as familiar as you are, I'm sure, Jill, <laughs> but I am familiar. And I think it, it touches on our work in a couple of ways. Uh, firstly, you know, we're starting to work with more and more educational institutions. So when we started Therma in, in early 20, uh, we were focused on restaurants and, and we mostly worked with hospitality and restaurant operators. Um, early this year, we started working with K through 12 and universities. And now we've got, you know, several hundred uh, schools. And, and I think one of the things we're seeing is that there's a lot of interest and a lot of need for temperature monitoring and 
management of perishables with these kinds of uh, organizations. They're often really resource constrained. They don't have the ability to purchase um, wired sensors, which can cost five to $10,000 per piece of equipment. Super expensive to install, require drilling and installation by technicians. And so for this type of uh, customer for, for education and, uh, and nonprofits, there's an opportunity to give them real-time visibility into product, even if that product's ultimately going to be donated, if it's going to be ultimately um, re, you know, repurposed or, or, or recycled, and to ensure that these locations and these assets are either maintained in a safe way, because you do have to ensure the product meets you know, uh, consumption standards, or mm-hmm. to ensure that if it is at the margin not sellable or not um, donatable, that's known to the organization so they can decide what to do with it, whether it needs to go into, um, you know, uh, the compost bin or whether it can be donated and, and passed on into a mm-hmm. circular economy. So I think food banks, uh, similarly, we work with several food banks, um, and, and I think these are organizations that are really trying to get the mm-hmm. most mileage out of every pound of product, mm-hmm. and so we want to help enable that. We want to help them manage and ensure that they can get as much of that food onto people's plates and into people's homes and not have it end up in the landfill. And, you know, giving them peace of mind and giving them, you know, essentially an insurance around their product is just one way to help them do that. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can play a small part, certainly, in helping uh, these kinds of organizations uh, do the most they can with their their perishables. And they have a lot of inventory. Uh, They they store lots of product often. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and this is my world, you know, the, my nonprofit, the Go Green Initiative. We we actually work with K through 12 schools throughout the country, but we're home based in California. And because I'm uh, on the leadership committee for K through 12 schools with the California Resource Recovery Association, we are working with CalRecycle every single day of the week to help schools comply Got with it. SB 1383. And I think Therma could help a lot because awesome. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I'm on webinars and I'm on phone calls and I'm on, you know, the, the CRRA is having a convention down in Oceanside in a, in a month. And there is what is generally um, called, you know, low-key panic, but in some cases it's more than that on the part of child nutrition services departments on how they're going to do this, how they're going to donate edible food and track it. And even just the data that you guys provide, you know, that that's part of the data that they're going to have to report on. So we need to put our heads together because I think there's, you know, we don't have unlimited budgets in K through 12 school districts where we can have people monitoring this, these kinds of thermostats and, and having this, sort of automation and this hands-free peace of mind and auditable reporting trail on the the temperature and safety of the food that they're donating would be invaluable. This is the answer that so many of them are looking for and are kind of hysterical about, to be honest, um, based on my my routine <laughs> involvement with these conversations. So um, I'm I'm really hopeful that you know more and more school districts will get a hold of this. And I know that you know even in, we work in schools in in school districts in New Jersey. Um, you know we've been working in Newark since 2013. We've been working in Camden Camden in 2015. And one of their big pushes, and again this is just you know something that's happening all over the country, is to have more fresh fruits and vegetables versus a lot of packaged and processed foods. Well, what does that require? Again, temperature control and and 
human health, you know, safety as as they're dealing with fresher foods and not just a bunch of packaged stuff. So I see lots of potential for you in the K through 12 sector. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of uh, Therma's case studies of success and so much more. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Our guest today has got one heck of a solution um, to one of the biggest ways of fighting climate change. Eliminating food waste, keeping food waste out of the landfill is one of the most powerful and effective things we can do to combat climate change. Uh, Keeping methane emissions out of landfills down by keeping organic matter out of it. And one of the ways that we can eliminate food waste is to ensure that the temperature stays steady so that things don't go bad. Uh, You know, things can be donated to hungry people. It breaks my heart to see perfectly good food um, going into a landfill, feeding a landfill instead of feeding hungry people. That's unacceptable. And Monik Suri is the founder and CEO of Therma. They are helping to solve that problem. Monik, I want to give you a chance to talk about some of your case studies of success. You've got your, your products out in restaurants and retailers across the country. I want to give you a chance to tell us how you're helping them and, and what they're saying to you. Thanks so much, Jill. And, and really, it's a pleasure to join conversations with, with folks that are trying to do good and do well. I think food waste and reducing spoilage and inventory loss 
is a great example of a way you can do good and do well. We're talking about saving real dollars. These are businesses and organizations that have thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of inventory on hand and often very tight margin operations, you know, four to 9% margin, uh, food being 30% of their costs. So mm-hmm. if they have a loss event uh, or if you're, you know, uh, dealing with uh, uh, spoilage uh, due to a equipment failure or a power outage or, God forbid, a human error, you can lose $1,000, you can lose 20000 um, and that can be your, your profit for the month. Um, so we are trying to help businesses and nonprofits across the supply chain. We have customers, we have about a, you know, a little over 1,000 customers. Uh, some of our customers are growers, others are distributors, and you know, many are, are folks close to the fork, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to name too many names. We do have case studies on our website because we want to be sensitive. But just to give you a few examples, um, we've had restaurant operators in the pandemic that had locations opening and closing, uh, not knowing when and how long they would be open because of changing public health guidelines. Therma was providing 24-7 monitoring to their locations. Um, we were able to catch, for example, in one operation in California, a $100,000 incident that wow. was the result of a store being closed in a county um, on sudden change in public health requirements because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that store, there was a freezer, a, wa- a giant walk-in that had been left unplugged for cleaning. But oh, uh, no. because of the sudden closure, uh, they had forgotten to empty it. The inventory oh. started to spoil and created uh, what would have become an environmental hazard. We're requiring a hazmat team to go in. This is a, a chain that has over 800 locations globally. Oh. So not a small company. Um, and we were able to help them catch that early and prevent what they estimate is a $120,000 uh, cleanup incident. Uh, so that's an example. That's an extreme example. But uh, we have high-end hotels uh, in certain parts of the country that have had wedding buffet uh, and wedding, uh, you know, food on, you know, kind of big banquet style meals mm-hmm. ready. Uh, mainline uh, power outage that happened on a weekend before a big event, $80,000 of inventory that would have been lost. That we, were notif- that we were able to notify them of, and they got it moved to another location nearby. Those are kind of extreme examples, but we have loss events every day, every week that we catch across our 10,000-plus centers. Um, so I'm, I'm particularly excited when it, we can help a small business. Uh, we mm-hmm. had a mom-and-pop location, uh, Froyo. Uh, now obviously, Froyo is pretty temp-sensitive. Yes. Uh, they, had a, a cle- they had a person on staff that was doing routine cleaning, uh, the owner and his wife had gone away for the weekend to celebrate, and uh, the person on, on the team had done the cleaning had forgotten to plug back in the equipment. This was on a Friday afternoon. We're, our system started notifying them late night because the temperature was rising. There were, you know, $1,500 of ice cream cakes in that oh. you know, display case. That's their profit for the month. And yes. so they actually came back into town. They drove back, plugged it back in, and saved their inventory. That's, you know, those are kinds of examples that I love. And we have, you know, hundreds of these now across the last two and a half years. I love it. You know, I want to give our listeners a sense of of the cost. Um, Is is it costly to use Therma products and technology? You know, we've talked about schools. Maybe we can use them as an example because they're always on limited budgets. Uh, What are the upfront and what are the ongoing costs? Yeah, I'm I'm delighted about the way we've designed the pricing model. I'm delighted because I think it really makes the system accessible to anyone and scalable to, to everyone. 
the uh, the way we've designed pricing is to be entirely subscription based, uh, meaning that you're essentially paying for what you're protecting. So it's our, our pricing is very transparent. It's on our website and it's easy for anyone to follow. It's ten dollars a month per sensor, mm-hmm. and that's it. So you know, basically, wow. you can decide how many sensors you want to deploy across however many pieces of refrigeration you want to monitor. Some businesses have two to four. Other organizations have 20. And the size of your inventory on, on hand and the amount of refrigeration uh, dictates, you know, what you're looking to, to kind of uh, protect and how much you're looking for in terms of coverage. So at $10 a month per sensor, you can make a decision without having to deal with expensive hardware purchases or technician installation or implementation fees. And so traditionally, wired solutions would cost $5,000, up to $10,000, because you have to pay for technician time, right. you have to drill holes in the side of the fridge or the freezer, et cetera. And, um, you know, we've, we've done away with that. So it's a purely uh, subscription-based model, and, you know, $10 a month per sensor uh, is kind of our base pricing. That comes down if you do an annual purchase or a multi-year, and also if you buy more sensors or more locations, it comes down. So mm-hmm. that's, that's it in terms of the pricing. Wow. So straightforward, so transparent. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, you know, when we talk about IoT solutions, sometimes there's a follow-on discussion about security protocols that need to be in place. Are there security protocols that need to be in place in order to use Therma products without worrying about data breaches? We've designed the system to be uh, focused around compliance and, and safety from the beginning. I say that because one of the first use cases, Joel, was trying to help businesses manage food safety requirements. And that means mm-hmm. that the data has to be secure and auditable. And if the health department or, or federal regulators come in, the local or, or, or state or federal authorities, the data has to be reliable. So we use bank-level encryption both on the mobile app end-to-end and on the web application. Uh, and, you know, I think with that in mind, we've been able to sign contracts with uh, you know, public companies, you know, companies like UNFI, the third largest mm-hmm. food distributor, food natural distributor in the world. Uh, we work with them at the corporate level. Uh, we work with companies like TGI Fridays at the corporate level, uh, you know, 500 location American fast casual chain that many people know, a uh, mm-hmm. staple of my childhood. Uh, but I think <laughs> um, the idea really is to offer a modern technology stack. And I think because we're a young company, because we're building our tech on, you know, the kind of latest and greatest, we're able to take advantage of a lot of the security and encryption that others have built. So, yeah. um, you know, we do offer bank level encryption end to end. That that I, all said, cybersecurity is a real risk. Uh, even big banks get hacked. Even government agencies mm-hmm. get hacked. So, uh, it's not a guarantee, but uh, we do try and offer the best protection that's commercially available for mm-hmm. the data. Well, and that's really important because I know, like, again, even back to to schools, because they have a lot of sensitive student information on their servers, you know, sometimes they're concerned about using IoT thermostats in classrooms and things like that. And they have to make sure that there's security protocols in place because they're trying to protect very sensitive data about kids. So, um, yeah, that's good to know. And I think that's something that, you know, is, is going to be on the minds of the IT professionals <laughs> of your, uh, of your customers for sure. Now on your, uh, on your website, you use a term that I am unfamiliar with. And so I want you to explain what a smart cold chain is and talk to us about what you mean by that, how you're trying to create that and why that's important to your customers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the cold chain is essentially, uh, you know, a fancy way of describing refrigeration. Uh, the refrigeration supply chain from production to consumption or from farm to fork in food um, is essentially what the cold chain refers to. It's ensuring the product from when it's made to when it's consumed is kept within certain bands. Um, and obviously that matters for some products more than others. Uh, you know, uh, if you've got a highly temperature sensitive product, for example, uh, fish or seafood or any protein, you know, animal protein, that's product that has to be kept very carefully in temperature bands. Otherwise it can boil, degrade, or God forbid, um, grow bacteria and, and get people really sick um, or worse. Mm-hmm. So the cold chain got a lot of attention in 2020 because temperature-sensitive vaccines came out in late 2020 mm-hmm. around the COVID-19 pandemic. And suddenly 2020 and 60 Minutes were doing specials on the cold chain, <laughs> which um, <laughs> you know I was uh, aware of because of our work at Therma, but mm-hmm. most people had never heard of the cold chain. What right. we're trying to do is turn the cold chain, which is 90 million pieces of refrigeration in the, in the commercial world. I'm not talking about residential. There are 1.4 mm-hmm. billion residential fridges and freezers in the world. The 90 million commercial refrigeration units out there are essentially dumb in the sense that they're not connected to the cloud. They're not being optimized with any data science. They're basically run the same way they were in 1950 or 1970. You mm-hmm. buy a piece of refrigeration, you plug it in the wall, you set a thermostat set point, and you let it go until it breaks or it fails. And then you Mm -hmm. replace it or you repair it. We are trying to turn these dumb assets into intelligent or smart uh, pieces of equipment. We're trying to monitor them. Now we're turning them on and off dynamically, kind of like a Nest thermostat. We're doing that with refrigeration. And we're doing that so that we can reduce waste by catching spoilage events and preventing food loss and food waste by reducing the energy footprint. These assets consume huge amounts of energy. And for example, many times they're consuming energy even when they're empty. You know, there's months in the year when schools, for example, are closed. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily warming or turning off the refrigeration when there's nothing inside and no one at school. They're still leaving things running in many, off- yeah. in many cases. So we're trying to, um, or for example, turning refrigeration off on short bursts when the, when the utility needs the power. Last yeah. week, there was a really warm day in California. You know, it's summer. It's, there's a heat wave. <laughs> uh, August, the utilities yeah. <laughs> are running short. Yeah, August. People are running short on power constantly these years. Uh, we can turn assets off, and we did. We turned off refrigeration across some of our customers in NorCal using our control layer in Northern California. Pardon me for those of you who are not <laughs> from California. And we were able to lower the energy footprint of the refrigeration across, you know, a couple of dozen locations when the utility, PG&E, needed the power. So when Brilliant. we talk about a smart cold chain, we're trying to take these dumb pieces of refrigeration and bring them into the 21st century. And cold chain matters both because there's a lot of waste in terms of dollars and because the cold chain is responsible for 8% of all emissions and climate change uh, across food waste, energy consumed, and refrigerants leaked. Refrigerants are the chemicals that really make cooling possible. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make these dumb assets intelligent or smart. I'm sorry, I'm going to get hung up on the term dumb assets all day long, but I get it. And I think this is just a brilliant, comprehensive approach. Um, You know, and and I'm so excited about your product. I can't even stand it. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we've got so much more. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am having a blast, and I hope you are, too, talking to Monique Suri, the founder and CEO of Therma. And you can check out their website at www.hellotherma.com. Um, this technology and, and the way that it's delivered is pretty exciting uh, for those of us who understand that keeping food waste out of landfills, um, reducing spoiled inventory uh, for a lot of, you know, grocery stores, retailers, um, restaurants who really operate on thin margins. Um, this kind of technology is such a game changer. Um, you know, Monica, I want to talk to you about, you know, the economic situation that we find ourselves in right now. A lot of inflation talk, of course, and, and some people predicting recession. Why is Therma still a great investment, even with looming concerns about inflation and, and an economic recession? Absolutely, Joe. It's on the mind for everybody. I think individuals, business owners, everyone is talking about recession and inflation these days. I think you can't turn on the news without mm -hmm. some article about uh, the challenge. And I think the reality is, regardless of whether we move into a recession, formally speaking or not, there is a lot of pressure right now on businesses and on, on nonprofits to do more with less. Mm -hmm. uh, prices have gone up rapidly this year. And I think when we look at Therma, we look at the opportunity, we realize that we've got a huge, uh, you know, amount of waste that's preventable. Reducing food cost, reducing labor cost, and reducing energy cost, these are all variables that everyone wants to focus on because they're all going up in price. So I think Therma's technology gets more valuable and more relevant in, a, in an environment where there is, you know, rising costs and where people need to do more with less. So in that sense, I think that, uh, you know, our, our, 
our product might become more relevant. Just like mm-hmm. we saw in 2020 and 21, when yeah. the world and, and many businesses were struggling with the pandemic, uh, we had explosive growth because I think a lot of people were saying we've got to save where we can. And Therm is an affordable and easy way to do that. That makes perfect sense. And I think you're absolutely right. And and I hope that Go Green Radio is just a little way to help with that because I think you've got a great product. You're solving an amazingly difficult problem at a low cost. And I, I am really rooting for Therma. Um, because you have a, a law degree and a background and working in, at the White House in public policy, I'm sure that there are some public policy issues that could help make Therma's solution even more attractive to your customers. We've already talked about California's uh, SB 1383, but are there other pieces of legislation or public policy that either are already on the books and helpful or that you see coming down the pipeline that could could make your solution even more attractive? Well, I'm very excited this week because of the, you know, if, if you're following the climate bill that's mm-hmm. been making its way through uh, the, you know, Senate and House, I think the passage of historic climate legislation at the federal level could mm-hmm. have a lot of possibility for Therma and companies like ours. One of the things we're seeing is there's a lot of capital being put into reducing reliance on traditional or fossil fuels and moving into renewables. And Mm -hmm. that means that there's going to be capital for um, utilities, for consumers, uh, and for businesses to invest in upgrades and to invest in retrofits. And whether that's because of energy efficiency, which is a space that Therma plays in, or uh, reducing emissions more broadly. And we have a carbon calculator we're developing to help businesses measure and show how much uh, emissions reduction uh, their their deployments of Therma are offering. I think those are um, th- those are ways in which the federal uh, climate bill could really move the needle for adoption of technology like Therma. We're seeing a lot of interest from investors around that and also from large corporates. Um, mm-hmm. I also think the SEC rule um, that was uh, mm-hmm. you know discussed and passed. Uh, you know, roughly four months ago around mm-hmm. climate impact and, and, and ESG reporting is yep. another example of pressure on businesses to start showing that they're doing something and measuring what their emissions and ESG uh, reduction strategies are. And those will help adoption of technologies like Therma as well. I think you're 100% correct. I mean, I'm even looking at, you know, here in California, a lot of municipalities are passing climate action plans um, that that pertain to your technology as well, um, because a lot of the the impact that they see in terms of their greenhouse gas emission inventories relate to either methane, <laughs> you know, in the form of food waste, or in just pure energy usage, and they're really going to be leaning on people to conserve energy. And so, you know, I, I just see it up and down the the spectrum of public policy that that Therma's solution. Uh, can really be impactful. As I mentioned before, you know, I, I, I'm the founder and CEO of my organization too. So we're having a little founders chat. Um, I started the Go Green initiative in 2002, and it actually launched at the first school that we ever went into this month, 20 years ago. Um, and and though we typically work with adults, uh, you know, we're working with the, usually the assistant superintendents of school business officers, uh, you know, the folks that are in charge of the finances for school districts and the facilities for school districts 
districts, we do have interns as well. And these young people have such a wide variety of academic interests. I mean, we've got students that end up being English majors, students that end up end up being electrical engineering majors, um, and everything in between. And they all want to be a part of this movement to create a more just and sustainable world. And, you know, given your career trajectory, I would love for you to take a minute, give them some advice as they're looking to both, you know, work in something that they're good at, play to their strengths, play to their academic skills, but also be a part of the sustainability movement. I, you know, love the question. And I think as someone whose career has kind of moved around in different sectors, not always knowing where the next move was going to take me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I never imagined I'd run a refrigeration management <laughs> company when I was finishing law school. But I think the, um, the, the advice uh, that my dad gave me uh, when I was younger really stuck at, st- stands out. One, one thing he said was, you know, believe in yourself. Uh, just trust in yourself, believe in yourself. And I know that's easy to say, but I, I think that whatever your passion is, whatever you think you care about, there are ways to show up in the world and do good and do well by playing to your passion and by, by, by following that, whether that's English or design or video gaming or, mm-hmm. you know, coding. Uh, there is so much work that needs to be done around making the world safer, more sustainable and better that you can have an impact by following your passion. And I think there's a lot of people and a lot of uh, financial capital available for sustainability mm-hmm. and climate right now. So if that's a space you think you might want to work in, opportunities for people with any and every background. So I would just encourage everyone to believe in themselves and whatever their approach to making an impact is, and, and you'll find opportunities. And happy to talk more offline if anyone wants. I'm, I'm always available. My email is monic at hellotherma.com, and, uh, and we're on hellotherma.com on social. Okay. That's so generous of you. And I really appreciate that. Um, I know that our our student interns appreciate that as well. In the minute or so that we have left in the show, I want to give you a chance to share any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners. Really a pleasure to join this conversation, uh, to meet and and engage with folks that have been working on sustainability for decades. Jill, like yourself, I think that's admirable and you're on the right side of history. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're new to the climate movement um, as a company, but we are growing fast and uh, we are looking to build out uh, our team. We're about 70 people. Uh, We're based out of the Bay Area, but we have hired across the country and internationally. Um, So if you want to check out our work, please visit our website, hellotherma.com. If you're interested in our technology itself, we'd love to get to know you. Um, I've already set up a a dinner or lunch date with Jill (laughs) in, in the near future. In the Bay Area, that's going to happen. So we can talk about K through 12 and ways we can help the educational institutions. But great to be here. Thanks so much thank for having you. me. And I, I wish everyone well. Well, and thank you for being with us, Monica. It was great. And thanks to our listeners for joining us as well. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a great week and do something in your life to go green.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. 